Sisters and brothers, as we all know, the Christmas season is over. Now, we as a church move on with the very beginning of Jesus' public life, usually referred to as his ministry. Jesus marks the beginning of his public life with his baptism in the Jordan River from his cousin, John the Baptist, which we celebrated last Sunday. In today's gospel, as you heard, we have an account about John the Baptist. Well, not really. It's really about Jesus and involves John the Baptist pointing him out and urging people to pay attention to his cousin Jesus. And why was that? It's a little complicated, maybe not. You know, one of the problems that the early church had to face was a cult known as the Baptist cult. And they believed that John the Baptist, not Jesus, was the Messiah. The Baptist sect argued that their master was superior to Jesus for two main reasons. One, John the Baptist was prior to Jesus, and so that priority gave them superior gave him superiority. And secondly, Jesus received baptism from John, making Jesus inferior to John. In today's gospel, John the, Bab John the Evangelist rather tries to show that priority does mean superiority because Jesus existed, pre-existed John, as we heard in the gospel. Still, John the Baptist must have recognized that he had a significant role to play in the history of salvation. He knew that God wanted him there. He knew God wanted him to proclaim the presence of his son Jesus and to announce that presence when he at last came. John was quite aware, you know, that his part, he had a part to play in God's scheme of things. He knew that his role was that of a witness. And so he points away from himself to the one who has come, namely Jesus. And we know Jesus begins his public ministry. We read about all that in the New Testament, the Gospels particularly. And so having celebrated the, the baptism of Jesus, now the church moves to what it, call, it calls in its liturgical year the ordinary time. Now each year the church calendar sets aside more than 30 weeks for what it calls the ordinary time of the church's liturgical year. So what happens? What happens in ordinary time? Do we as a church just go through the motions, you know, 
celebrating the feast days, the sacraments, and in, and in our own lives, perhaps through the drudgery of work, and we go through the drudgery of work and school and church and sports and vacation, perhaps a few of the highlights, celebrating a few of the highlights, like a wedding or a baptism or confirmation or first communion, whatever it might be. Is that what we do when we say it's the church's ordinary time of the year? You know, life goes on. We all know that. It has to go on with its regularity and the predictability and the ordinariness. But somehow, the word ordinary sounds bland, doesn't it? It sounds unexciting. It sounds uninteresting. But there is a part of us that longs for that ordinary time. Think about Christmas or prior to Christmas. You know, we were all very busy with our Christmas preparation, buying the presents, making sure that everything was there. Everyone was invited to the Christmas Eve dinner or we had somewhere to go on Christmas Day. All of that with family and friends, spending time with them, which is amazing. And yet, you know, there is, there is a part of us that was perhaps relieved that after Christmas was over, after this busyness and the, and the rush of the Christmas season was over. Our lives get busier and more tired and stressful, perhaps. And, and we all, when, when, when it happens, we all look for that ordinary time. We look for that peace and quiet. But then, it is not just our failure to find that work-life balance we talk so much about that robs us from our ordinary time. We often think that. If only I can find, strike that work-life balance, I'd find that peace and quiet that I'm looking for. There are other things. Things like, you know, there are heartaches and the pain, the brokenness that we experience in our lives and in our world the obsessions, the losses that we sometimes experience, that, that rob us of our normal routines and our desires for this so-called ordinary time. Now, most of us, if not all of us, spend a lot of time regretting about yesterday, which is already gone and is over with the past, and being anxious about tomorrow, which is not here yet, the future. But what happens as a result? We find it very difficult to be attentive to the present moment. This is nothing new. We, we all know this already. No, it is, it's hard to live truly inside the present. It is not easy to live inside this ordinary time. And we all know, 
There is nothing ordinary about the church's ordinary time. Even during the so-called ordinary time in the church's liturgical year, it's not like God is taking a break because he's overworked during the Christmas time or during you know, the Lent and the, Advent, uh, the, the Easter time. No. God is at work at all times in our lives and in our world. In the midst of our own pressures and heartaches and illnesses and losses, demands and interruptions, God is inviting us all to pay attention. Attention to, and, and it's ours therefore in the midst of all that's going on to be able to pay attention to how God is working in our lives and what his plans for, are for each one of us, especially as we begin a new year. So let us, let us think about that. How am I living my life in this new year? How am I finding the time, the energy? How am I making the effort to live my life in this ordinary time of the church's liturgical year as well as my own life? Let's keep asking that question. Let we pray today. We pray for the courage, the strength, and the grace to be attentive to those ordinary times in our lives, which I would think are many, many.